0: Hey guys, welcome back to Screenworthy, brought to you by The Mind Refinery. I'm your host, Kyle Bodanis. This week, we're talking about the strange film industry phenomenon of the director's cut. We're going to get into the upcoming Zack Snyder Justice League recut for HBO Max, and then dive into some of cinema's most infamous director's cuts, and attempt to answer the age-old question, are they an artistic necessity, self-indulgent trife, or studio cash grab? As usual, rate and subscribe our channel wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, guys, here to discuss the interesting world of director's cuts are Mind Refinery Creatives, John Neal. What up? And Boyan, not technical today. (laughs) Hey. Okay, guys, what kind of precipitated this whole conversation was... The announcement that the incomparable Zack Snyder is doing a director's cut of um, Justice League, which apparently is supposed to make it better, and that we are seeing an un- that this will be an unvarnished version. So HBO is kicking another $20 million investment into releasing either a four-hour director's cut or a six-chapter television miniseries-like type situation, all to be released in 2021. So... What was our initial thoughts to this? Like, I kind of want to use this to frame our discussion in that, you know, asking the key questions, can a studio fuck up an otherwise good movie in the cutting room, or or are they intervene, or can they also intervene in a director's megalomania? What do we think about this?
1: Go ahead, Boyan. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean... Uh,
2: Yeah, obviously there's been recorded, you know, plenty of recorded instances of studios just making completely, uh, uh, you know, bad calls that are purely based on, you know, statistics and and accounting and then just completely destroying films. And some of the films that we're going to talk about cover that. Um, I don't know if there's as many cases of of studios and networks actually saving a film. Um, But in terms of Zack Snyder and Justice League, I... I don't know how to feel about this. I want to give him a chance. I want to see that maybe this could be improved. I don't think it can be improved. I think the core uh, characters and 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 decisions that were made in in the storyline of that film can't change so drastically and having more expanded upon it can't imp- I don't think it can improve the movie drastically from what it is. And I still and I also don't understand how zack snyder i think holds a special place in in hollywood and history as have being able to do a director's cut for every single movie that he makes like uh, i believe there's a director's cut of sucker punch and that's a disaster of a fucking movie yeah did
0: did we miss something in that was there something i missed in that (laughs) that required that required a director's cut you'll you'll have to ask
1: andrew lancer that question well i did ask him
2: and he said you know look there's just more pretty girls uh fighting fighting stuff and i'm like oh Okay, that's fantastic. So I just don't know what kind of relationship he has with studios where they can be like, yeah, sure, make a director, Scott. Like maybe he just, maybe every time he does make one, it still makes them a bunch more money. So they don't care what he does. And that's probably what it is. But I I, I just don't understand because most of the time his films are mediocre-ish to me like there's some good ones some bad ones nothing i would uh i would nothing like of the movies that we're going to discuss nothing even comes close to that level of greatness
1: yeah like my first reaction when i heard about the the director's cut for justice league was oh joy i can't wait to see that I can't wait to see this. Um, like, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not really that excited for it. The the rumors are that it's going to be, what, four hours long or something? So, that's what I heard.
0: T- to repeat, as f- either a six-chapter television miniseries or a four-hour director's cut straight up.
1: Right. Now, does that mean that they're taking all the Josh Whedon stuff, or are they leaving some of that shit in there?
0: See, this is one of the big things that's discussed, is what like to what effect is it going to be a director's cut because obviously there's the Josh Whedon stuff which i think is probably going to be fantastic because <laughs> like i i don't know why st- like that wouldn't have been more taken in the first place so i mean i don't know how like what is this does anybody either of you know the story in terms of how much was actually omitted in the original cut or
1: was um, taken I'm- from what I heard, I think it was like 40% of the movie was Josh Whedon's stuff, and the other 60 was whatever. Or it was the opposite. It was either 40% Zach and 60% Josh. I don't remember. It was one or the other, though. So there was a significant amount that was from Josh Whedon, for sure. Josh Sweden. whatever Josh J- whedon. whedon i've been josh calling him i'm calling him, sorry
2: i'm just a fan of his so no, that, like, i've been calling from firefly him firefly days oh, yeah. that I, I have to point it honestly, out. honestly
0: i fucking love firefly and have seen every episode of buffy like nine times yeah, and oh, i still yeah. am calling him josh except the musical episode which is i can't is i think unwatchable which <laughs> i'm sh- sure which i'm sure lots of people uh, feel free to roast me online buffy freaks if you uh love
1: the musical <laughs> episode yeah, I was pronouncing it with a Sean Connery accent. Josh,
2: Josh, Josh. That's I will what? say that the musical episode is unforgettable. Like, it's if you you've seen it and you're like, "What the hell am I watching?" But you're never gonna forget its existence.
1: At least that far, that much. He he accomplished something. I'm
0: like, Spike can't sing. Um,
1: <laughs> but but, my- but but back to the questions though, Kyle. Like, can a studio fuck up an otherwise good movie in the cutting room? Absolutely, they can do that. Um, yeah. And as far as like a network. Uh, intervening right uh yeah sure they can also save it too it can definitely happen either way i think it just it, it's just a case-by-case basis just how fucking bad the movie is
2: i mean, and they think. can do it or, and they can do it earlier too right yeah, i mean sure. with han solo I, I mean i obviously you can't say would have been better or worse with the original director directors i think yes. um but um uh, you know they they decided to make that cut uh, early on and from the rumors, it's mostly, you know, they were trying to do their own thing and 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 Disney wanted wanted to impart their control. And if you weren't going to play ball, you weren't going to be able to direct the rest of that film. Yeah. So I, I I mean, yeah, uh, with a powerful studio like Disney, you can definitely screw a movie. beforehand
1: well that would be the whole star wars thing would be an example of it uh, of the studio fucking up the movies as opposed to the directors well i mean hollywood
0: hollywood lore is like littered with that and very few the studio you know saved it saving it yeah because i I, like i don't know i think i'm like i'm wondering if part of that is into the like the director auteur megalomania as well in terms of like the unvarnished creative vision must be it but also the problem is with you know a studio or a network is like a lot of it is by committee so Mm -hmm. like that's why i'm kind of wondering with this like how like what did they omit from the original cut of justice league character development
1: like it's like we just took it
0: we just took it out And uh, like, and they made like kind of weird, uh, you know, like visual effects that don't look real. You know what I mean? Like, I think, I I think that this, I mean, obviously, when it came out, it completely, you saw the difference between what they were doing and what marvel was doing which i don't understand because i felt that like other than really like the color grade on man of steel it's like there's a Zack snyder lut and he applies it to every single fucking movie it's
2: it's the manhattan the dr manhattan lut it's everything's (laughs) a little bit blue and desaturated yeah
0: so like i'm just wondering okay how could that movie have because I mean, it go, it begs to the question: is like what came first, the shitty movie or the studio? You know what I mean? Like, did you bring a shitty movie in, or did they have to make it shitty? And I'm just wondering, yeah, why for all the movies is there director's cut? Is it a cash grab because they're going in on the Zack Snyder fanboys,
2: fan yeah. girls as well? I, I think, mean, may- yeah. Sorry, sorry, John, go ahead. Uh,
1: this version, I think, is mostly just for the, for the cash grab, and and I only say that because if it wasn't for the fans. Backing this and and pushing so hard for this, I don't think it would have happened until the studio saw the potential to make money on this. Then they were like, "Okay, let's let's just fucking do this and put it on HBO Max because we'll get, just get a ton of subscribers that way. Just that that, that want to see this.
0: And they got to boost up HBO Max as well.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And and but isn't it? Um... I mean, it could also be just like a last attempt to save the whole uh, DC, uh, you, you know, cinematic universe. Like, I mean, I, I really guess. I, I mean, guess. it's still that's still under cash grab, but it's like, oh, maybe maybe this will this will fix things. No, so that's the supreme cash
0: grab. It's like totally, try, <laughs> it's like totally trying to save your investment that you just like. Yeah, oh. exactly.
2: Yeah, so it's next like 4D chess cash grab. Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's like. <laughs> I just need to make sure my thus far $750 million investment isn't going to be completely thrown down the fucking toilet.
1: Yeah, but again, but sorry, but there's also no reason to suspect this is going to be any good either. I mean, based on what we saw with with Batman versus Superman, that movie was awful. So, And and it was better than Justice League. So uh, I don't really know what else they could be adding that would improve the film, that would give them reason to go back and make changes just to make the art better but like i don't know it, it yeah. just i think it's mostly just for a cash grab and...
0: i also wouldn't have made it longer i would have made it fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. shorter <laughs> Let's <laughs> Let's add if add anything
1: it hour. needs more cutting yeah, i wasn't like
0: i wasn't like i need to see more of this in order to f- grip the story properly like no yeah okay, so i want to move on to kind of what our litmus test movies are so I mean, we're going to be asking three. You know, we're kind of going to be diagnosing these as, as very specific things. Are these films self-indulgent filmmaker megalomania, studio money grab, or studio fucked up an otherwise good film? I think it, it, let the, the debate continue. Mm-hmm. So first, let's we're going to talk about the uh, you know the holy grail of director's cuts, uh, fucking Blade Runner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, there's the original Blade Runner, um, which had the voiceover, absolutely kind of ridiculous. And not by kind of, I mean excessively. Um, And then, you know, changing the cuts from, you know, from the original voiceover with the weird weird Hollywood-type ending to the director's cut, which I feel is, you know, far superior. I mean, what do we think? Uh, Do you think this is... What do we think about this?
1: Well, this is like the birth of the director's cut, right? Blade Runner is pretty much the 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 um patient zero for for director's cuts um like the final cut like the like the fourth cut that they did of it the final cut the one that ridley was happiest with that cut's incredible like as opposed to the other like the other three like the director's cut's pretty good the the original theatrical release is is honestly almost unwatchable because of that voiceover it's so distracting and it really it completely kills the tone and the atmosphere of that movie because it sounds like some like I don't know, like some very corny, it's a
2: different movie. It's a completely, it's a, yeah,
1: movie. it's a totally different movie. And it just, it doesn't really add anything to the film. It takes away from what its original intention was with that. Yeah.
2: It's basically, it's the focus group movie. So, which is what, which is what led to, so it basically, it, you know, it, they ran it through a focus focus group test and they didn't, you know, they didn't like the tone the original tone and the ending the, you know, where it had the, uh, didn't have the unicorn scene, didn't have the happy ending, they were confused about things. So the studio, which was the studio, which if you watch a lot of the behind the scenes, the studio has already been giving them problems the whole time. It is a very strange thing for a studio to make of it's a, it's a risky venture uh that's costing them a ton of money anyways so they're they're just the studios are they get cold feet and they they you know they rarely especially you know ridley scott was an ex- very experienced a very experienced director at the time having done thousands of commercials beforehand and i believe films as well, well it wasn't his first oh. um, um yeah alien so that was you know already a big sci-fi flick but he wasn't proven enough you know where he could just they they have absolute trust in him uh financially but like so yeah you understand why but historically studios they understand when there's a formula they trust the formula they have comfort in it when something goes outside of it especially when they're putting tons of money understandably in some sense they'll get cold feet so that this is you know this is where this version came from and uh it's you know i think They might have. They might have been. I mean, it might. It's. It's a toss-up. I believe where they might have shot themselves in the foot for making it more successful at the beginning. Where, you know, at the beginning, uh, when it was released, it was basically a failure, and and you know, over time, it became a hit. Um, Or maybe they were right. Maybe audiences too weren't ready. Maybe what even even if uh, uh, Ridley uh, released his cut in the very beginning as a theatrical cut, uh, I don't. It might have been a thing where it would have been a failure. Even then, and still would have taken years to become uh, recognized as, for what it is now.
1: Yeah, like as a like as opposed to the other three films on our list here that we'll get to, this one is is kind of interesting because yes, it, it may or may not have been successful. Regardless, in 1982, when it first came out, it was up against films like E.T. and John Carpenter's The Thing and a bunch of other amazing revolutionary films that were coming out at that time. And it, it was definitely ahead of its time to the point where the financiers of the film didn't really understand what it was supposed to be. Mm. And, if you underst- and if you watch the, the documentary Dangerous Days about the making of Blade Runner, that's very obvious. The editor of the film says they didn't know what it was about. You know, they didn't know it was, it was ahead of its time. It's the first cyberpunk movie ever made, you know, and for the most yeah. part, given all the crazy films that were being made at that time, it, things just didn't line up and they didn't, you know, really, really do it properly the first time around. And and there was a number of factors that contributed to that. And 25 years later, they, they finally got it right and let Ridley yeah. get his cut. So
0: I think I, I'm just, the reason, I mean, obviously at this point, You know, you have directors, like you were mentioning, John Carpenter, you know, just the thing. Like, you're creating new cinematic language for people to understand at this point. My thing is with, like, for example, the unicorn scene. It's massive symbolism. um, Mm -hmm. But I think necessary and not overwrought. So, but, I mean, at this point, you already have filmmakers like Stanley Kubrick regularly, you know, putting out, already putting out weird shit. So, why... So, my thing is, like, actually... I think this was revolutionary from a number of you know from a number of points. Obviously, like being a cyberpunk, you know, kind of like the the original cyberpunk fucking movie, but also you know, like just it's also the,
2: film noir, right? Yeah, so exactly. Like, and your know, genre, a weird... it's,
0: it's genre bending. Well, that's what it no. is—science fiction mixed with film noir, right? And
2: tonally, very European uh, tonally in terms yeah. of yeah. what it does.
0: Absolutely. So I, but I feel like, like the film audience, like it's not revolutionary in terms of you know this idea of using symbolism and using that it's just kind of new in applying those to those genres you know what i mean like mm -hmm. and maybe even not though because like stanley kubrick put out fucking 2001 so like like realistically if you can sit through 2001 and understand it you can fucking sit through blade runner without the damn voiceover you know what i mean (laughs) Mm -hmm. so i guess my big thing is now there is root i mean the the. The voiceover for me is, like, the most egregious part of it. The voiceover, yeah. because, like, the ending, you can kind of get away with that. So, like, for people who don't know, in the they kind of leave the ending of the director's cut open. It's mm-hmm. they kind of, you know, Harrison Ford and Sean Young, they go through a fucking door. And then it's, you're left to your own conclusions. But in the original, there's this whole which is funny. I mentioned Stanley Kubrick because they use footage from the shining, uh, <laughs> so, I'd like to show this, like going off into the sunset in a car together. And it's very not the tone of the rest of the fucking movie.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't look like the rest of the movie. It's a complete visual departure from everything that they established in the film. And, well, it, the, and th-
0: this tends to happen when you're using footage from another movie. It's,
1: well, yeah, like, when you, it's,
2: <laughs> yeah. it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's, if you were looking at this, like a detective, it, it, it stinks of basically uh some hollywood accountant making a editing oh. choice you know it's like oh yeah let's let, you know it's a happy ending they go off into the sunset let's do that cliche like that's gonna go off well yeah. in this movie that i don't
1: understand yeah the whole movie takes place in the dark in the rain let's brighten it up right <laughs> at the end
0: it's like one of the moody it's like one of the moodiest, like, of the moodiest <laughs> like visual pieces that's ever going to be put together and yeah. you know like they really sell i mean it's like it's like downtown tokyo meets noir meets fucking science fiction meet, like it's just this whole thing and then they decided to kind of trample it for me this is the quintessential if you're like if you want to look at why a director's cut is necessary this is the film that i think yeah. that really kind of displays
1: that yeah, yeah. for sure and it does
2: i think i i'd like to point out the contrast between what zack is doing and and this director's cut this movie earned a director's cut like the the you know it was a failure on release it didn't make its money and then and then it's you know over time it sunk into the culture uh and and and, you know the film you know probably starting off with the film nerds and critics and whatnot but seeping into the rest of the culture to the point where it it made itself culturally important and significant enough that it earned that director's cut, that the trust of a director's cut. Uh, Zack Snyder is Zack Snyder's director's cut are, I want a director's cut. <laughs> like I want to do this and I want to add more stuff. And I, you know, I, I can't handle, you know, killing my baby as, as I, I believe is the saying of, 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 you know, when you're in the, uh, in the editing room and you have to like get rid of scenes that you might love, but they don't serve the story. And I think Zack Snyder might, as a filmmaker might have extreme difficulty doing that. And his movies tend to need more of that need to have more cutting and more, more editing and more things taken out to be, to be, to be better. Yeah. Um, so he, he, it's more like megalomania driven, I believe with his, with his uh, a situation, whereas the movie and, and its audience and its growth of Blade Runner is what drives the need for something better
1: and i remember me and boyan and i think omar morrison another mind refinery creative and another good friend of ours jack chen cinematographer we went to see the final cut at avx at the avx theater um when they re-released it i forget if it was a 30th anniversary or 25th anniversary or something like that yeah i
2: didn't think it was in time with the uh, new blade runner like yeah before the release
1: and of and so the final cut in avx it was unbelievable just as a movie going theater experience there's really nothing like it and like it's a totally different movie than than the first cut that they did and like the sound the music like the atmosphere of that movie um, is is probably the biggest takeaway from all these other cuts that they released and specifically with the final cut um, and that's obviously something that denny villeneuve carried over very well with the sequel was just the atmosphere of the first movie, yeah. and, and all those all those subsequent director's cuts for Blade Runner certainly helped in that regard.
2: And and it, and in contrast with a lot of movies, uh, uh, it its special effects aged like a fine wine. Like it just they just look amazing even now. Yeah. I mean, it's practical effects most of the time, uh, but uh, you you, don't, you nothing on screen seems to you know stand apart as as uh unreal or fake or whatever well,
0: or, I think, the, or sorry, aged
1: no no go ahead so,
0: so i think that's probably okay this is in contrast to you know because uh for those of you who want who haven't seen it i mean the uh, the big story changes are obviously in the you know the director's cut but a lot of the visual and sound changes like they really what they did was they added excellent wrapping to it they really made what it could be like it really took it to where it could be and i kind of contrast it in comparison to like what George Lucas did with the fucking special editions of star Wars. So like, if you're watching the special edition of star Wars, if you fucking like any of the three movies, specifically empire strikes back when they're on Bespin, what, they are, what he does with Bespin looks beautiful. And, like, it just really, really adds to it. The problem with the with that is that's the only good part of the entire fucking special editions. Because <laughs> the rest of it is just adding shit for the sake of adding shit. Yeah. Whereas, fucking, you know, I feel like Ridley Scott kind of looked at the final cut as, you know, as if it's a picture. And he's like, there's areas where I should have added detail and background and to create, you know, to further atmosphere. And I thought that it was a really kind of a super tasteful addition to what it is that really kind of just finished it off because every,
1: yeah, yeah. like every change serves the story. Even if it's like a visual change, it either helps the story move forward. Like it didn't in the previous versions, Mm -hmm. or it adds more detail that still serves the story and the world of the story.
0: So, okay guys, I want to move on to our next one. Another big one, apocalypse now. There's obviously been multiple cuts of this movie. Uh, I don't think, not as many as Blade Runner. Blade Runner had up, and I didn't mention this. Uh, had apparently seven cuts in total, uh, and then obviously the there's three or four that got made it out. I wonder if have you seen any of the complete seven, like the all the cuts. Like, what yeah. is the availability of those? Okay, the, uh, Blade Runner. Seen
2: yeah. directors and I've seen final. That's all I've uh, seen as well. Yeah, No yeah, more theatrical, I guess, on TV. I, like I
0: went into part. a whole deep dive to see just, like, what the editing process was like. Apparently, they came out with seven cuts. Anyways, back to Apocalypse <laughs> Now. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, in this movie, you know, you have the redux and obviously the the latest one that came out, um, which I believe was the final cut as well. Yeah. Um, massive it's not so much massive changes to this it's massive additions and like it doesn't have uh any cumbersome voiceover that is in the same way as uh in this one the i feel like the voice over enriches it um martin performance is absolutely fantastic uh what do we think the of the additions to this the big one is the addition of the of of the 30 minute uh french mansion um part of it like what do we think about that
2: I, I struggled with uh, what it did to the pacing of the film, but sort of thematically, I think it added a good thing. It felt basically what it, it felt like, uh, here's a, a slight breath to take like a deep, you could take a deep breath at the scene and, and just before the the complete descent into madness begins right for the rest of the film and i like that i like as as a viewer I, i enjoyed that and then i also thought about you know the the what it's trying to say and it's basically you know it, it's kind of to me it's representative of of you know when the french warned americans of of you know get the problem if, of getting into vietnam like we lost in vietnam and and it was an awful place to you know we lost this battle you you shouldn't get into this and americans are like we're american we're gonna we're gonna win yeah this. he's like you um,
0: lost the battle
2: yeah so it's it's the it, it, you know thematically what it does to the story. I think I I actually enjoy it. I, I, just for the overall story and, and 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 what it's saying about the war and everything. But just in terms of the pacing, it was just like oh, and maybe it was because I, I'm seeing it you know a, a second or third time and or first time with that cut, but like second or third time in the movie, so I know what's coming next. Maybe that's my bias there, but I just felt like the 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 pacing was thrown off of everything, and I was I kept expecting okay. when is when is the madness going to start and they're just talking a lot and this is not important and then later on i I found some importance in it but
1: yeah 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 like it's such a monster of a movie apocalypse now like it's 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 just so you know four years to shoot the damn thing and (laughs) i mean you know just all and all these different versions like i think generally each cut sort of does drag a little bit irregardless of the changes that were made it's like like it's it's not necessarily a slow movie but there's a lot going on and it's very stretched out because it's a long movie it's like a three hour movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think regardless of which cut it is but i think the final cut I think me and you talked about this, Kyle. The one big change I noticed—the the big scene they took out of the final cut was when they come across the helicopter with the Playboy bunnies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that scene was removed completely from the final cut. And what? And was it the 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 scene with with the Frenchman that was like the whole thing was left in with the final cut, or was that also in the Redux? Uh, I believe it's in both. Okay,
0: um I mean the whole thing I mean as Boyan said, like the whole point of the French thing is this idea that like you know people mention Afghanistan as a fucking graveyard for empires. Vietnam is roughly the same mm-hmm. um it was for the Chinese, it was for the French, and it was for the Americans. I think that the idea i mean I mean in most Vietnam films, you know there's always an attempt to look at it through the French point of view as well because of the previous colonial power, and it's almost like this reminder on the way in like i can do without it because like i mean as a history nerd i like it but it just like he's smoking hash with this you know female and he's chilling for a bit and you're taking a breath but it like drags on and i think that that's like this is a more i mean every vietnam movie to an extent is personal but part of this isn't evaluating the idea of imperialism or empire; it's looking about, looking at it through the lens of madness and what war does. Yeah. Whereas, like, you're not losing that message with that scene not being there. I think you lose the message if that because if the thing drags on too long because what yeah. you're doing is i mean it's a slower paced movie that's fine he's developing a mood first of all I, I like this movie just in the way it was shot and in the like sheer bullshit and million feet of over millions of feet of film that they shot like I can't see how it didn't have to go through multiple cuts, and like I can't even believe the studio really signed on for it. To be honest with you, no, um, they
1: would—they wouldn't be doing it today. One hundred percent,
0: no. Even with fucking Coppola and Millias, like people of that fucking standard, you know, doing it. But you know, I—I I don't think that the idea. I don't think retreading the French colonial experience as a warning for the American colonial experience yeah. is relevant to this particular story because this is about kurtz and his and you know this is about finding kurtz and fucking dealing with this guy who's a fucking renegade yeah. but it's like of course he's a renegade because this is what war does right and i don't that and,
2: war especially that
0: yes 100 percent. right uh mm-hmm. so i mean we talked a lot about this uh you know coburn and i were doing um when we were doing defy bloods it's it's you know it's it's different stories there they you know in that film they had to go into a little bit of the french colonial situation um but with with this i like i don't think this is enriched by it i'm i am glad that they took out some stuff too though because like that for me that's an issue my issue with director's cuts in general because like i'm always like can we fucking cut this down yeah, never they're, like, add-
2: they're additive not they don't yeah. cut as much as they add yeah
0: so immediately i'm a i think of it through the prism of indulgence yeah you know what i mean so i mean so that arrives at the self-indulgent filmmaker megalomania studio money grab or studio fucked up the otherwise good film yeah so what do you guys think about i mean i this think one? it was
2: a good film without without the the cut yeah. honestly I, I it's it was it was a it's it is a classic without those cuts uh, it accomplished what it was going to do as, as as one of the greatest Vietnam films ever made without those cuts. So, yeah, I think it's a little bit of indulgence. It, it, I mean, I, I mean, I, I think what I like about what it added and expanded, I, it's probably not something I would like as part of just general audience is something I, I like as a filmmaker maybe, but I don't, I don't think it was necessary to do a lot of these things. And I don't think the movie was like hamstrung by, by studios in its original yeah. in terms of what the cut produced.
1: Like I, I tend to agree. It's, it's probably, it's probably one of the more unnecessary cuts, but at the same time, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, it well, it doesn't make it worse and, and it doesn't, exactly, yeah. and, and, and it doesn't really make it better necessarily. It feels honestly about the same like there's little little differences here and there but i mean for the most part it's just an incredible movie with each cut to be honest like it's like it's incredible
2: it gives you more but unlike unlike blade runner you know it's not a completely different film from from the theatrical it's just more of the same uh with some things here here and there that have been lost a bit by adding more time to it
0: yeah. No, the first film, the fr- I mean, Blade Runner, the first cut of Blade Runner, isn't a good movie.
2: Yeah, no. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, the Blade Runner like, is the opposite. Blade yeah, Runner yeah. was like garbage no, that may became good.
0: And that's what, and that's kind of what I'm speaking to is that I, I totally agree. And like with th- the only re- like, I feel like this is tolerated because one, like you said, John, it doesn't take away. It's just not necessary as well. But, um, y- you know like. Y- it's 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 unnecessary it doesn't it like it's not a requirement Blade Runner you have to change it like this four for me you can tolerate this and even want to go see it because it's Francis Ford Coppola and uh, like at his filmmaking best so if you get to spend more time with that you're obviously going to acquiesce to it uh you know for a certain to at least see what the hell it is so like I felt that that's cool because I'll always like watch a master doing what he's doing but at the same time I'm kind of like this is slightly self-indulgent filmmaker megalomania but at the end of the day as a filmmaker i'm like eh, if i went through all of that to do this fucking flick maybe i would have you know just done yeah. whatever the fuck i wanted
1: and the one good thing i will say about it for those of us that still purchase blu-rays <laughs> is that after they released the final cut it came with a copy of hearts of darkness the documentary oh. So that uh, was the,
2: the positive thing about them doing the final cut. That is what I miss about DVDs and Blu-rays: is all those extras. Like, uh, do they even shoot extras anymore? Now that all you get is you know streaming.
1: Not uh, to that extent. They're not making full documentaries. Well, that, I, I, love movie, right? I love those. I love those. And and you know how
2: how many of those documentaries like. Be, you know created filmmakers future filmmakers like uh, for me i mean we're gonna talk about little rings but just quickly fellowship is what made made me want to be, become a filmmaker before i even knew that i wanted to be one but i was i was qu- stuck with the question of oh my god how did they fucking make this this is incredible mm-hmm. and it led me down the path uh you know later on of discovering more and then looking at all the behind the scenes and i i think that's I know it's off topic here, but we've lost something uh, uh, really f- great uh, by by not having uh, behind-the-scenes options uh, as big uh, as they were in DVDs and Blu-rays in, 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 str- in streaming uh, platforms.
0: I feel like the last movie that really did it well was Dark Knight because they were releasing like 20-minute, like, yeah. how this is put together, meeting these people, going through the different departments and how they're doing things. Mm-hmm. I feel like now, like, if you've ever – To to all the listeners who have, you know, registered for a festival before, you know, the the festival aggregating, you know, uh, site will always be like, send us these promotional materials, and it's always just a list of minimum production, like promotional materials, and I feel like that's what they do now with films, right? Like, you don't get, like, I think right now in films, like, if they're doing a... You know, if you're getting a director's cut or something, it should be coming in like this fucking zip package where you're getting a little documentary, some like interviews, because like some people want to see how the sausage is made. That's one thing Mm I, you know, and for those of you who uh, haven't heard on the Internet, I actually lost John Neal's copy of Hearts of Darkness and then fucking uh, and and fucking found it again. And John (laughs) Neal's like, whatever, I bought a fucking $50 Criterion collection. I don't I don't fucking need it to. I got a fucking 16 inch fucking copy of that fucking documentary son. <laughs> so like as I again like I would think I, I would think that maybe I would have a more uh you know I would have a more harsh opinion of this if um I liked the director and the movie less. Yeah, um no. but also like fucking Zack Snyder like the to putting another 20 million in it. So like there like so it depends yeah. too like what are the resources. Um yeah. So I wanna move on, gentlemen, to what I think is probably a runner-up to Blade Runner in that the movie is completely fucking different without it. Uh no. without the additions. Uh Kingdom of Heaven, another Ridley Scott. We mentioned Zack Snyder needing a fucking director's cut all the time. And uh fucking Ridley Scott is doing it. the only thing about Ridley Scott is I think sometimes they're well, most of the time they're fucking necessary.
1: Yeah. Listen, the one thing I will say about Ridley Scott is He does these directors cuts to improve the story most of the time. Like I can't think of another director's cut that he's done outside of Blade Runner and Kingdom of Heaven. Like, has he done another director's cut of like other movies? Like Is there like an
2: aliens fucking director's cut? I
1: I, I think there might be one for legend. I think there's a director's hmm. cut for legend. And I think I think
0: he may have done like a slight director's cut for gangster but i can't fucking remember i can't remember here's the
2: thing though i feel like his cuts come out like way after the movie whereas this just feels like oh we released the shitty version I need a director's cut to make it better, you know what I mean? Right after, like within within a very short amount of time mm-hmm. uh, uh, after the release.
0: So I have a, yeah. I have so. a question. For, for, for Blade Runner, when did the director's cut come out as opposed to the original theatrical release?
1: I think the director's cut was late 90s, early 2000s, maybe. Okay, so here's what happened. Ridley
0: Scott is like uh i'm celebrating my 50 whatever birthday and he's like wow i'm going to be shedding my mortal coil not soon he's like it will make me fucking sick if i know that people are watching the original blade runner after i'm dead <laughs> people are going to be like this schmuck wanted the voiceover,' and he's going to be like no I, I, like that's what i think i think he just got so grumpy about it he's like fuck it we're going to do it again um and then he kind of realized i think
1: what happened with kingdom yeah, it's ha- a
2: six-year difference it's a six-year difference i'm looking at it right now 992
1: 92 and 86 oh it was well, well, Blade Runner came out in '82.
2: Yeah. So oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. '82. Yeah. So even more, even more. That's pretty. Cool. So that's a pretty significant, and that's just the first director's cut. That's not even the, the like the final.
1: Yeah. Right. Which so, is like
2: two thousand something.
0: So I mean, you see this with musicians too, like you know, like fucking Jimmy Page remastering most of Led Zeppelin's catalog and stuff like that. There's an idea that you want to preserve, the, you know, the creative stuff that you've been put together. But I feel like with Kingdom of Heaven, this is another one where, especially the story is completely yeah. fucking different i think with blade runner it's a different movie in a different feel but this one it's a completely different story as well
1: yeah like not only does it add more context to the characters like one example just and it's a small example like there's there's a million examples like this in the movie but the at the beginning of the movie when orlando bloom's wife commits suicide and the priest who's played by um um, what's Mike, michael term? sheen yeah michael sheen pardon me um he's orlando Bloom's brother yes mm-hmm. in the in the director's cut and we don't know that in the theatrical cut because they don't go into those details and it sort of completely changes the whole way you look at that relationship in the director's cut familiarity breeds
0: (laughs) yeah familiarity (laughs) breeds contempt and you don't understand why this priest has so much contempt for bailey
1: yeah it's like why the fuck is he so he's just throwing this in his face constantly what the fuck is he saying all this shit for for, right and then the director's cut you're like oh that's why <laughs> yeah
2: yeah I mean, it, it, it's like uh he's greedy he's jealous you know i mean he's he probably you know knew something about his his brother's uh uh parentage and 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 hated that or you know i mean there's you see, there's a motivation they establish motivation for these characters and their interactions and why they exist whereas that doesn't didn't exist before and and I find it funny that even though the changes are different between Blade Runner uh, Theatrical and directors uh, And and what was changed like it what was changed in the kingdom of heaven uh, It seems that the source of like the the core reasons are kind of the same, you know The the studio was hey, let's cut all this uh, extraneous crap because we want to make it uh, a short and sweet, you know, hollywood-esque uh, uh, you know swords and sandals for the you know, movie uh, for epic the, movie without it being too epic for but the like, listeners and th-
0: for the listeners yeah. in this case the uh, extraneous stuff that the studio thought was story continue yeah with
2: well, story <laughs> and
0: character like, yeah, it's,
2: it's the core of it's the heart of the thing we just we yeah, just get to the part where they're fighting each other that's what yeah. we want to see like this is and and i it's it's on like you can't defend that it's it's ridiculous to do that and to you know, this is a movie that I think if it was released as it as, as what the final cut is or director's cut is, uh, it it would have instant instantly stood amongst the great sword and sandal movies of of all time, but it, it got it, it, it right. I mean, I don't know what its perception is now with this director's cut. Uh, but I always thought I I liked it then, but I liked the director's cut way more. Oh, yeah. And I, I think it deserves its place amongst the greats. I mean, Gladiator is amongst my favorite movies of the modern sort of modern, 20 years old uh, swords and sandals movies. Uh, but it's it, it deserves a spot amongst the greatest in, in in history because it it just yeah it is a, it is a great movie. Uh, even even Orlando Bloom's performance. When you have that character motivation and background and story added in, even his performance suddenly in that context uh, uh, becomes a lot better. And and that's, and that's one of the most maligned parts of that film is, is his performance was a low point for a lot of people. But when you add this stuff in, it actually makes so much more sense. And I, I think, think he did a
0: great job. I think with the brother thing, first of all, how much did that reasonably cut from a time standpoint. You can estab- establish he's his brother in three sentences. Yeah, like I can I can figure out three sentences to fucking pitch somewhere else. Also, there's the priest in the you know in Jerusalem, and like you're drawing, you can draw parallels between that priest and his brother, and like it questions the family lineage, as you said. And it's like all these different things that kind of put a nice bow around those, as you said, motivations.
2: There's another brother. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. There's another brother story. I think you're missing that also adds to this. That's really Jamie Lannister is is the nephew. Is the nephew. Nephew, right so it's yeah. it, so you know and he kills his he killed uh, what's his name kills his nephew uh because there's, the, the, because his brother is the lord of that of that land and he's jealous of his younger uh brother getting all this glory and land because younger brothers never I an- inherited anything forgot
0: about the fucking and that's a whole Lannister. subtext
2: in that sorry remind me the character's name i i can't forget it. i can't believe i don't remember it right now
0: who is it
2: uh Bay- neeson's character oh that's
0: um oh i can't God, remember. godfrey godfrey godfrey. Godfrey. Sorry, yeah.
2: godfrey yeah so that's a whole subtext to, to godfrey's story and how in and then it also informs bailey in story like that whole thing between brothers and jealousy and, 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 and greed and, and everything. Yeah. So it's, it's, and it's, it's at the beginning of the movie, like he kills his nephew in the beginning of the movie, uh, because of his brother's jealousy that was established when they were sitting, eating, a, eating dinner. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah.
0: And the other big one, obviously, and this is, I think the biggest one in it is, I mean, the character Baldwin, uh, played by an uncredited, um, what's his fucking name? Um, Edward Ed Norton yeah. Ed Norton played with Ed Norton. I can't. Why can't I remember shit today? But Ed Norton, which was a fantastic performance,
2: amazing a, amazing, a fantastic
0: performance. He his nephew, Sabella's son, is also has she discovers has leprosy. Yeah, and this is a big that was also
2: really well done, and that it was, was really and it well was done. really
0: well done because it like he talks because there is this discussion about you know in the, something which really looks at religion and you know Baldwin is like hey you know like. They say this is God's vengeance on, you know, our decadent kingdom and this kind of stuff. And like, you know, the him being a leper is central. And for Sibylla, it's a tragedy. And, you know, when she and in this she has a kid, which you don't even see in the regular cut. And that kid gets like gets she finds out gets leprosy and she ends up killing him. So which is um,
2: which is 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 such an incredible part of her story like as as a character like that she does this she had like she makes this awful but somehow you understand you understand it's it's explained like you understand where her motivation comes from she's watched her brother grow up with this and suffer with leprosy her whole life and she can't she doesn't want that for her son so she does what she Uh, What In a weird way, she does the best thing that a mother could do for her son. It's kind of fucked up logic, but it works. And it's such an incredible part of her character. And it also explains a little bit of her development at the very end where she decides not to be a queen, even though she has all these other lands and titles. Mm Mm-hmm so it's it's yeah i can't believe yeah it's it's there's so much important it's like it's like let's rip out all the most important stuff yeah that that motivates everything about these characters
1: yeah the director's cut is it's just so much better in my opinion than, than, than the original cut just because you just understand everything so like so much more the character motivations make sense the performances are improved as a result of that context um and it's a hidden gem as far as it being a swords and sandals movie like it's it's a really really good fucking movie
0: well it comes on i mean it really gets buried by gladiator that's why i think that's yeah, i think
1: which another ridley scott movie fucking of course, fantastic right?
0: yeah. um uh, i think that uh i mean like because the whole the big part of the plot revolves around you know in any cut of the movie Sibella realizing that Ghee is a piece of shit and that he can't become you know king of jerusalem and her having a son by him makes it more, like, makes that idea of, like, giving him up to be with Balian, like, more conflicting and realizing that, you know, the, the father of my child is a bag of shit, and uh, I, like, I, for the good of the kingdom and for, you know, what's really, in you know, in my heart, I'm going to go with Balian and like it misses that like you're missing so much you know you're missing complexity at that point yeah. and i think mm-hmm. that taking that stuff out it feels super like the the film feels super disjointed i love it i also think i love it because um like i'm the kind of guy who will read uh, a 1300 page book on the crusades yeah. by the way john i'm finished with your 1300 page book on the crusades
1: you <laughs>
0: um so like you know i mean so i'm uh, inclined to enjoy it no matter what but from a person from when people are like yo i don't like the original cut i'm like i completely understand why you don't like the original cut because it feels like shit is missing and it's like who is this guy why do we care about it who is this queen who doesn't have much character development you know what i mean like i don't i like and also the the son kind of frames her it says something about her relationship with her brother um yeah. and it just it's it's it what it does is i think it wastes what could have been a fucking awesome movie
1: the other thing that it does too is even though it may not be by much it's also more historically accurate the director's cut
0: it is it it's 100% or. is mm-hmm. they talk yeah. about it in that 1300 page book about the crusades oh. um they fucking uh yeah so like that's because this happened and uh you know and i think that you know there was a especially also there was like a general fear of leprosy back then anyways because like you know i mean it's kind
2: of just a terrifying disease especially when you're in a time where you can't understand it um i i did want to point since you're pointing out history i have to point out that something that both the theatrical and the director's cut accomplished i don't know if it's in a time where it could have been risky to to accomplish to 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 be biased in these movies or if, if they, if it was risky and they accomplished it nonetheless was, uh, the whole, you know, the, the Christians are not the good guys. The, the Muslims are not the good guys or none, no, none of them are the good guys. None of them are the bad guys. I mean, it's our characters, our character can be, you know, be our protagonist, but the sides of the story are, you know, you there's balance and gray uh grayness in both sides of the story. And uh I have to uh just point out that uh the actors uh sorry, the actors and both and the characterization of uh Saladin uh or Salah Adin is is incredible. Like I think that in both in both versions of the movie it's one of the, it's one it's an incredible uh characterization and story and and performance of how it was done. And it was done, and and it kind of put the whole context of everything else of the of the general conflict in a great sort of in a much better understanding uh, where where Hollywood can can be in these situations can go fall along the lines of bigotry and, and racism that that falls back into you know ancient times. Absolutely. When it comes to the Crusades, yeah. so I, th- I, I have to give them an applause for handling that so really well, for really Scott for handling that so well.
0: Well, I think yeah. that's a good. I think that's a good point because I mean, Balian and Saladin just represent our honorable people who are representing two bloodthirsty sides, right? Yeah. And in the in, in the case of the Crusades, the Christians definitely struck first, uh, mm-hmm. and from a brutality standpoint, yeah. But what you what you see is is that there's wheels of politics behind all this situation and saladin despite being you know of one of the most successful muslim military leaders of all time there are people behind him who said you promise that this is going to happen and if you don't do it you can go Right? And it's
2: and you see I love I love that you see the same reflection on both sides of of the, the same types of characters you know guy delusion and, and is is on the Christian side to what I can't remember the character's name there's one guy on on on, on the on the Muslim side that is is that same you know I, we want war you promised us revenge and and we, we want war and basically yeah. there's there's an underlying subtext of like if you don't give us this war we're gonna start it ourselves yeah. kind of like how the Christians ended up doing yeah. and then uh Alexander Sadiq who plays Imad uh, is 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 the Balian of that side, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Sardin is is um, Edward Norton's counterpart in terms mm-hmm. of this like wiser elder leader who, who's trying to keep this whole thing, you know. He he understands the war is ine- inevitable, but he's kind of trying to keep the peace as well.
0: Yeah. So, so to, you know. to 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 kind of wrap to put a bow on this one, I think we can all agree. That this is studio fucked up an otherwise good film.
1: Yes, definitely. And, and the director's cut was warranted, one hundred percent. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I'd love to see a re-release
2: in the theaters, honestly. Or, or, or I would just, go, one hundred percent. Yeah, I'd be I mean,
0: So, uh, I want to look at uh, Lord of the Rings. This one is contentious because I've heard people be like why the fuck did they add more time to this movie? Uh, cause especially return of the King, you're like, Oh, it's like, cause it's like that in the book. It's like two thirds of the way through the book. Sauron is gone. And then it's like the end of it. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> and it's like, they're just returning to the shire. There's traffic. Uh, guys are taking boats, fucking places. Elves are going elsewhere. Um, so let's look at the Lord of the Rings trilogy to kind of close here. Uh, First of all, did they need to do this?
1: Um, no, they didn't. Uh, however, <laughs> however, yeah. with, with, with an asterisk, um, the theatrical cuts are, are still are my favorite of, of, of them. like the extended editions are, don't make the films worse. They make them maybe a little richer, but all the extra material that they put in is pretty dope. Like, it's like, if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings, that's what it's there for. It's there if you're a fan of of, of, of these movies and of the lore and of the books yeah. and all of that. So is it necessary as far as the films are concerned? Like, was it necessary for Blade Runner and Kingdom of Heaven? No. But, you know, give me it. I, I, I definitely want to see more because these it's the best trilogy ever made. Just give me all the extra shit that, that you can. Let's just go. Yeah. Just give, me, give me it.
2: Uh, so for me, I mean, I, I'm obviously, I'm a huge Lowering Rings fan, both books and, and movies. It's like I was mentioning earlier, kind of launched my whole curiosity about this this whole industry and, and, and career. Um, and then, you know, I watched the aftermath, the fans reactions years after to these films has always been... And this is these are fans who are not who don't know uh, you know the the problems of turning a book into a film, and don't understand uh, what can be lost. They there's a lot of disrespect towards Peter Jackson for what was cut out and what wasn't included and whatnot. Todd Bombadil, yeah, but if completely unnecessary, completely unnecessary. And if it was uh, most of these scenes, if they were added, if they if they followed the book to the T. It would be the world's longest, most boring movie. Um, so there's that. Um, but then, if you watch, if you watch the behind the scenes, and it's, especially since this was an epic where they shot, they shot all three movies, one right after the other before releasing any of them. Yeah, Peter Jackson and Fran Walsh are the most hardcore uh, 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 Lord of the Rings fans, book fans, and they really, really, really tried to do the best they could to, to be authentic to the book, uh, and they, de- they deserve so much more uh, 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 praise for, for what they did uh, in, in doing so. Um, they still had to make a movie, and the, for me, the extended scenes are basically, look, we shot this because we wanted to be authentic. But when we sat down as filmmakers and, and the editor, we had to, we still have to make a movie out of this that, that people are actually going to be able to sit down and watch uh, without without losing their minds <laughs> because it, it's it, it, try and sit down and watch all three movies or even one movie in a single sitting extended movie and and try and watch it with your family and friends who are not uh, a hardcore the Rings nerds mm-hmm. and they're gonna get up they're gonna be on their phone and they're like the, the even even then when it was released the, the the patience for that didn't exist so like basically like John said I love the original theatrical cut I think that should be the official cut but I also don't mind the existence of the extended when I want to sit down and nerd out and, and sort of uh, be more, more in that in that world and see more of that world that I love. So I like that it exists, but I don't think it it, it should be uh, thought of as the, the one you should watch, the one you should recommend to other people or anything like that.
1: Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, no harm, no foul. They shot all these things. These are things that were just cut out of the movie. And I mean... The return of the king extended cut is four and a half hours long. Like oh. it's like they added on like another hour, and like a half to the to, to the movie with the extended cuts. I
0: could drive um, to Michigan before that gets yeah. finished.
1: <laughs> yeah, like you would be yeah. you would be out of your car eating popcorn and a hot dog at uh, at at Little Caesars Arena by the time uh, the movie ends. So like you've already
2: parked yeah. your car and gone yeah. in. So and the key question is is that uh, do we lose anything about the characters or the story by not watching the extended cut? No. No. You, you completely understand who these characters are, their motivations, and, and where they, you know, you understand so much of the world from just watching the theatrical. You just get more.
0: With yeah, the yeah I, th- I think for this, like, if I was to think of movies that before they came out, what is most likely to have a director's cut, it would be this one, given how contentious. Like, it's hard, as you said, Boyan, it's hard. Like, the problem is, Lord of the Rings is like in the, it's in the, 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 pop culture consciousness you know what i mean led zeppelin can I,
2: can I just expand on that one second it's in the pop culture con- consciousness for generations your grandfather might have read those books yes and your father might have read those books and you read those books and now Peter well, Jackson has i to read sit those down books exactly i read those books because <laughs> like,
0: my i read those books because my mom was like you should read these books also a, yeah also yeah. think about it. there's literally led zeppelin songs that are about <laughs> lord of the yeah. rings exactly. it's the battle of it's from, Ever- it's, the battle of evermore misty mountain hop so this generation of people who are yeah. listening to fucking rock music who are like who the fuck are these guys talking who the fuck Yo. are these guys
2: and, and add on Yo. top of that that it was considered an unfilmable unadaptable book well, because is, of the scale well, of it and they had to literally invent technology to prove it to a studio that it's possible
0: well this is the like, whole this is the whole thing because like because it's in that it's in that zeitgeist slash You know, it will always be in the Zeke guys because of its popularity, like the book's popularity, like trying to like, it's a hard ask because like, how the fuck are you going to make people happy? Because you have these guys who are like the Tom Bombadil, blah, 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 that should be in it. But even though it shouldn't (laughs) fucking be in it, it's like, why is this in the book in the first place? I could have just ripped those fucking pages out. Um, And I fucking, and I fucking love the book. I love the books. But like the whole thing is that it doesn't take anything away from it. But at the same time, the only scene where I'm like this shouldn't be in it is like in uh to is in uh sorry, Return of the King. Remember when they go outside the gates of Mordor and that dude comes out to parley with the them? Mouth of Sauron? Yeah, and I'm just like, okay, you don't need this guy.
2: Honestly, I, I rewatched it. I'm like, I'd like I like that moment um, because I know what happens after, but I like that moment where where Aragorn sort of like he sees through the lies of basically. Sauron. and he's like there's a darkness that's th- this guy's trying to to put on into into the minds of all the all the whole party there that's talking to him. And that's where Aragon like takes, You know, he Aragorn takes the reins of you know being a king, and he's like, "I see the lies through this," and cuts. It's a cool scene, I think. It's a cool scene in terms of what he does, but the mouth of Sauron is whatever. I don't know about the representation. I'm gonna, I'm
0: gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push back on that and be like, first of all, why are you guys listening to anything Sauron says in the first place? Sauron's not gonna give you. (laughs) Sauron's not gonna keep it one hundred for you. He's not gonna be like, "All right, guys, listen, honestly, just to save you some trouble, we killed the hobbits. They're dead. (laughs) So if you guys want to go back to Gondor." right yeah. we can just forget this whole thing happened and you might see some orcs it's actually gonna be let, dark. Me,
2: let me reinforce what you said why do, why are they parlaying with saron at all <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. this is like a, a like a world-ending evil yeah. they've been fighting for gen like generations upon generations yeah, but let's talk let let's yeah. talk and let's give him a <laughs> chance to leave mordor on his own accord it's like, like
0: goebbels it's like goebbels yeah. just showed up to fucking eisenhower and was like listen I think we can work this one out. I think yeah. we can. I think I got. I got a deal that you are gonna fucking take in a second. Uh, yeah, I know. It's like, and and also, I also didn't think that like that performance of that dude was particularly good. But like in, but it, it, there's some nice character. You know what? I think in a film like this where it's super good. I mean, it's obviously the. I agree, the best trilogy of all time. I fucking challenge anybody to fucking name a better trilogy Ooh, where,
2: star wars fans are gonna fucking murder you <laughs> that's
0: fucking listen hold on a second here hold on a second here the go quality ahead. of those three fucking movies lord of the Rings. listen i love star wars okay i'll fucking go to bat for star wars and anybody who wants to like fucking get on twitter and talk about this and that i will go at them 100 and i'll fucking kill them and i will say this like those three movies are of a higher quality like I, Empire, I think, is better than any of those six movies we're talking about. Original trilogy, that Empire is incredible. I love it, but like,
2: it's not consistent. Yeah. It's exactly. New it's Hope not, and, it's yeah. not. It's not.
0: It's not at the same level that those three movies are. Like one of them won a fucking Oscar. Yeah. Like you know I'm what right. I mean. Like, and there's elves in it. If and you they shot a,
2: all. They all shot. They shot all three in the same span of time without releasing so that's that that's the part is, that's that is correct. unprecedented like i don't know if that's ever been done before for something that big and no. that's I so, mean, th-
0: so this is why rarely I will think... i
2: ever praise sorry it was like rarely where i ever plays praise a studio but the balls on 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 was it was a new line cinema i think yeah the, yeah the balls on them to support this this many years of filming of this movie without a single thing being released
0: this yeah, is their New Line's biggest film since Screen, I'm kidding, <laughs> continue, no, continue um,
1: no, like there will never be another trilogy like this ever again, just as far as yeah. the, the production, how they shot it the freedom they were given to shoot it like hats off to New Line Cinema Mark Ordesky and Michael Lynn are the two executive producers from New Line that basically greenlit the trilogy and i think originally peter jackson was going to do two movies because he didn't think the studio would let him do a trilogy and mm-hmm. then when he told the the executives at new line they were like isn't it three books you should do three <laughs> and then peter jackson's just like oh shit seriously yeah. okay oh, so whoa, 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 whoa.
0: i gotta i gotta i got a question then yeah why didn't someone tell him when he was doing three movies for the hobbit that it was only fucking one book well because yeah, that was bro. a
2: studio driven t- that, that wasn't video- that's the opposite that's i know that's what i'm cinema. saying i'm
0: like why the fuck i mean, no. like, shouldn't these guys just be like first of all the hobbit isn't even that long
2: yeah yeah no it's it's like it's like <laughs> a half of one of the books is it's, in length it's and 290 it's like, pages yeah, no it's literally the opposite where there's a bunch of investors like oh now that this 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 ip exists that is mega fucking tons of money in lord of the rings yeah uh, and all of and there's like i don't know there are how many like six or seven investors involved in this it's like let's milk it for all it's got and then they give it they gave it to uh what was the director um caramel yeah and Guillermo like he he pulled out i, mean, I don't know the actual reason so I'll, I'll, but he you know he pulled out or he got out of the film and peter jackson got stuck with like a really shit situation like he if you watch some of the behind the scenes, he was literally making it up as 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 yeah. they went because he had no prep time unlike the Lord of the Rings, where he had so much prep time. Yeah. I and it was f- an,
1: and that's why they decided to use VFX for orcs and all that shit in the Hobbit. And Lame. it didn't look any and it didn't look anything like the Lord of the Rings. Like yeah.
2: and I, I don't been, yeah, I don't blame Peter panic. Jackson at all.
1: No, 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 I don't habit. either. It's just unfortunate that he was stuck in that situation. But I mean, like this trilogy, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, man. Seeing Fellowship for the first time in the theater, the scene where the bell rock, and 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 in the Mines of Moria where they're on the stairs that are breaking mm-hmm. away—it's like, one of the
0: greatest and, scenes there is. It's fantastic. And that
2: score, Howard Shore, you fucking genius. That oh, that score in that moment is is like half that fucking scene. Yeah. It's
0: I will just, say I will say this about Fellowship in terms of the uh, in terms of of the, um, the the director's cut. You get to spend more time. Boromir, which I enjoy. yeah, Because yeah, you sure. don't, because Sean Bean's performance was incredible and he was redeemed at the end, even though he's trying to go after the fucking ring, but like you still, you get because I mean, there's this whole scene he has with fucking, um, with... In
2: Authorian, I think. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you know what I mean? And you're starting to like, you get to understand him more and how like, and it kind of links to, you know, how, you know, the, the relationship between him and his brother, that no. you don't see together, but like is referenced, um, you know, in, 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 return of the King, like those are things where I'm like, okay, I fucking, I like, I really, 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 really enjoy that. But then there's like this part, uh, I'm trying to remember, is it, it's in two towers, I think where he's like, I can't remember the name of the female character, but he's like, she looks dead and she's like, he's like washing her and stuff. Oh, and, uh, Eowyn, Eowyn. Eowyn,
2: Eowyn, yeah. Eowyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think there's a whole thing in the books about how Eowyn and Farmer are uh, uh, fall in love in the healing houses of Gondor with uh, it's just like it's an, an even in the books it felt unnecessary other than like tying giving Eowyn a happy ending because Eowyn had been you know <laughs> like she fell in love with Aragorn she was turned down she was there before for Theoden and and like she she helped Theoden for so for so long and was crept like this creep was was pushing himself on her for years like basically I think in the book even in the books it was just like tr- giving Eowyn s- some sense of joy in in, in in the rest of her in the ending of her story and that's kind of where that scene comes from
1: yeah yeah, yeah. so like my, yeah, like my favorite of the three but it was
2: unnecessary <laughs> it,
1: yeah it was unnecessary but,
2: and the music there was just like it just all of a sudden it's just like a montage with like this music that doesn't even feel like thematically similar to the rest of the music in the movie, but kind of, it's just, it was off. It was weird.
0: Yeah. So so I think we can, I mean, this one's a little harder. Are we saying self-indulgent filmmaker, megalomania, studio, uh, studio money grab or studio fucked up an otherwise good film, or is it just,
1: we want to see a little bit more. If anything, honestly, if anything, money grab only because, you know, people went out and bought the extended cuts just to see the extended cuts. But at the same time, again, with an asterisk, because it it, it felt just like it was for the fans. Like, it was a nice thing to have, and, and no one was like, oh, this is just a fucking cash grab, whatever. It's yeah. like, no, this was actually just, like, quite nice. Like, a nice accompaniment to the theatrical cuts, if you're a fan.
2: Yeah, it, it, basically, I think what John... Is implying we need a fourth category? Uh, it's just artful money some, grab. Some some nice yeah. fan, some <laughs> nice fan service. Is, artful, I was gonna yeah. say some nice fan service. Artful fan service.
0: Yeah. Okay. Fan yeah. service is good. Because I mean, like, they made
2: money, but like, yeah, really. No, we but all listen. Listen.
0: <laughs> listen. If you make a hey, listen, if you make a good product, take my money.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because one hundred
0: percent. That's what it's all about. If you make something good, I'm gonna give you money for it. And, yeah. and anyways, guys, uh, that is a good place to wrap up absolutely fantastic thank you so much for your time and uh we'll talk to you soon guys
1: all right